0: So anyways, all right, 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16 today, we're going to look at the anointing of David, Um, we're going to look at Samuel a little bit first actually and then into the, uh, the story of David and who David is and the Bible gives us a good description of who David is in this chapter. So starting in verse number One, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, this is an intriguing question God has for Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Um, Is this not interesting? Samuel, who is Samuel? Samuel is the prophet from God. The first prophet in quite some time. Uh, if you remember when we look back at the beginning of the, the book here of Samuel, and we see um, Samuel being born and given back to God, and, and, uh, and here he was living uh, in, and with Eli in, the, in the, the temple and serving here and working through here, and God spoke to Samuel, and it was the first time in a long time that God had spoken that way to someone. And, uh, and here, so Samuel, a servant of God, a prophet of God, um, the one who is delivering God's message to Saul the king um, and to the nation and things like that, is here. And he is approached by God, and God says to Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? We see Samuel's emotions here. Um, drawn to the to the surface. Uh, back in chapter fifteen, in verse number eleven, uh, after he had, um, well, before he had approached Saul, but God had told uh, Samuel what was going to happen with Saul. It says in verse number eleven, chapter fifteen, "It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments." And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. At the end of chapter 15, in verse number 34, it says, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up uh, to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So we see Samuel here. If you go back and look when God made Saul the king, Samuel knew that wasn't what God wanted for the nation, but God allowed it for the nation. And and so I always pictured Samuel as him and God over here, and then Saul over here. But for a while, it was him, God, and Saul over here. And in that time, Samuel loved Saul. Saul was doing things for the nation for his people, for his family, Samuel's family, Saul had grown to love, I believe, Saul, and the authority that Saul had in leading the people. And so when God rejected Saul, it impacted Samuel. And I think not only was Samuel crying for Saul, I think he was, or mourning for Saul, because it says he was, but he was mourning for the people as a whole. This king has fallen. Um, I was not... Um, around for Watergate, um, but, you know, there was this this massive failure by the president in that situation. I was around for President Clinton and and saw some of the emotions that came with his failures. And when a president fails openly where everybody can see it, there is an emotion that comes with it. Um, and, and it hurts because there are people who supported and, and you know, voted and, and stuck up for and all that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden you see, no, they really did do this. And so there's, there's a hurt that comes with it. Samuel mourned for Saul, and God says to Samuel, here, when are you going to stop crying? <laughs> How long are you going to mourn for the person that I have rejected? Now, what does this say? God says, I've rejected him from being king, it's time for you to move on. There are times where we mourn for the failures of someone who rejected God. And I think there's a time to do that. The Bible tells us there's a time for it. Um, and, then, and then, but there is a time that we have to move forward now. We can't live in the past. And we can't hold on to that. It's time to move forward and to live and to do what God desires for us to do. And so he tells Samuel, "You're gonna, you're going to go. Um, to Jesse's house. I've got a new king waiting there. So we see Samuel has an emotion of sadness, but he also has a, uh, an emotion of fear in verse number two. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. Samuel, now listen, I, I try really hard to not be judgmental of these folks who had a verbal conversation with God, the disciples, Thomas is one that comes up a lot. Um, Peter had some issues, uh, you know, things like that. I try to be really careful about how judgmental I am. Samuel here, a prophet of God, one who had done God's bidding, said, given God's messages, he says, God, how can I do this? If Saul finds out, he's going to kill me. My first thought is, Samuel, don't you know better? <laughs> Wouldn't there be a better question to ask of, Yes, Lord? Will you protect me? Can you, you know, please protect me? But it's not even that. It's, God, how can I do what you're telling me to do if Saul finds out, he's going to kill me? My thought would be Samuel should be smart enough to realize that God's more powerful than Saul and that God can handle the situation. But he had fear, which is natural. We have fear oftentimes too. In verse 2, the Lord said, uh, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice the Lord um so he's giving samuel a cover story god didn't have to do this by the way Uh, but he gives samuel a cover story and that's the way that that he that fear is is calmed and then we see samuel with uh, an emotion of trust if that's even an emotion um sadness fear and trust he says there in verse number three god tells him call jesse to the sacrifice and i will show thee what thou shalt do and what shalt um, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake. So he goes from sadness where he's mourning the situation with Saul to fear where now he's worried about. And listen, we know what Saul becomes, right? There, there was a healthy fear <laughs> here from Samuel. Because remember David, in, a few, in the next chapter, I think, David almost gets killed by Saul. Saul became very volatile, if he was not already, very volatile. And so Samuel was around Saul. He knew what Saul was like. And if he he knew if Saul heard, hey, I'm going to anoint a new king, Saul's not going to like that. Uh, But he trusted the Lord, and he went and did what God told him to do, which is always an important part of any story. Um, All right, so when God tells you to do it, do it, trust and go. Um, So he comes to Bethlehem. And he, he meets up with Jesse. Jesse asks him, Are you coming peaceably? Which I find interesting too. It's in verse number four, um, at the end of verse number four. But I find that interesting too because when the prophet of God shows up, if your first question is, Have you come peaceably? Um, I don't know. I'm intrigued by that. Uh, you know, what's the fear um, in Jesse's mind? Like, Are you coming to strike us down? Um, I don't know. I, you don't read a whole lot about why Jesse would ask this question, in my opinion. Um, Now, granted, Saul, again, being a little volatile, I guess there could have been something. I don't know. But um, nonetheless, the question is asked. He says, yes, I've come peaceably in verse number 5. Verse number 6, now we see Samuel's opinion, which is great. Um, It says, and it came to pass when they were come that he, Samuel, looked on Eliab and said, surely the uh, the Lord's anointed is before him. Um, So his opinion was he sees this first brother, the oldest of the Jesse's kids. And he says that that uh, great statement, surely this is him. This is the guy. Now, if you grew up in church, you've heard this in children's church before. Um, he's tall, he's handsome, he's mighty, he's strong, he's a warrior, all these kinds of things. Um, in this verse, we just see that he's there and Samuel sees him and goes, boy, that looks like he could be a king. And obviously that's not what God, what God was thinking? Uh, but it's what Samuel was thinking. Again, I don't blame Samuel for this. He sees Eliab. And remember Saul. When God talked about anointing Saul or, or making Saul king, He said, "You're going to know him because he's taller than everybody else. You'll know who he is. He's going to stand out." So I'm guessing that Eliab stood out. I'm guessing that he was similar to Saul in that sense. His, his build, his physique. He probably looked like a mighty guy that was, could be a king. Um, and God says, uh, so we see Lord, the Lord teaching Samuel a lesson here. The Lord says in verse number 7 uh, to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Go back to Saul. The people wanted a king. And God said, I'm going to give you what you've asked for. Saul looked like a king. When the people looked at Saul, he looked like a king because they look on the outward appearance. People do. Now listen, you've seen this with um, presidents. There's a person who does not look presidential does not make it through the primaries. In some way, shape, or form. You have a person who doesn't look presidential, they're just not going to make it through the primaries. They're not going to make it on the ticket at the end of the day, because we look for someone who looks the part. Now, there's different ways to look the part of presidential, um, but we're looking for certain things. Um, Now, we should be listening, uh, but the reality is people look on the outward appearance. Does he look like he can command a room? Does he look like he can be a president Um, or she? That hasn't happened yet, but uh, we have these things that go through. So God says to Samuel, you know, you're just taking the first thing you see and judging whether or not that person can be king. But he says, I don't look on the outward appearance. As a matter of fact, God says, which is going to be really interesting when we get into who David is, but God says, I don't, he didn't say this, so I'm putting this in, but I believe God says here, I don't care what he looks like. I care who he is. Now we're going to get a very physical description of David here in a few minutes, but Uh, but God says, Samuel, you're just looking on the outward appearance and so does everybody else. I don't do that. I look at what's on the inside and I go off of what their heart is. And so when you look at, um, men of God, if you can use that term, the Bible does once or twice, um, where, you know, it's, there are, um, was it Elijah that was bald or Elisha? It's Elijah, right? Nobody knows. Okay, good. We're good. Um, There was a bald prophet he got made fun of because he was bald. And then the bears came out and they ate him. Don't make fun of your pastor. Um, (laughs) He got made fun of because of his looks. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He only looks on the heart. Um, What about, um, uh, oh, no, um, who was the short guy in the New Testament? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Everybody looked at Zacchaeus, and they knew him for his height. God doesn't care. He looks on the heart. Now, here he says to Samuel, you know, you're not here to choose a king. I've already chosen a king. So you're not here to say, this is the guy. It's not your job, Samuel. I'm going to tell you who the guy is, because I can see on the inside. And I can work through. Verses 8 through 10 is a parade of Jesse's sons. They start rolling on through and each one Samuel says it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. Bless you. It's not you. It's not you. And they come through and finally they're they're done. There's none there's none there. Verse 10, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel and Samuel said unto Jesse, "The Lord hath not chosen these." And so Samuel said unto Jesse, "Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither. Um, I think there's more than just sitting down on a chair. I think this is more of a, a fellowship, sit down around a table, that kind of a thing. But um, I find it interesting at the same time because if, if it's me, I'm going, I'm going to go rest <laughs> until he gets here. I've had a long trip. Um, I've had to look at all your children today. I'm going to go lay down. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, but he says, no, no rest. We're going to wait until till he comes. So who is David? Um, and the Bible teaches us here in verses 11 through 13. First of all, he's the youngest. All right, so what does that say? Blessed be the youngest, for they endure so much, yet are so perfect. Um, me, Camden, Ensley, Amber, Ella. The youngest. Boy, God loves us. Um, Okay, that's not in the Bible. But uh, David was the youngest of his brothers. Now, think through the, the scriptures and think through Joseph's story. At the time, where Joseph had all the problems with his brothers because he was the youngest and the most annoying, and his dad loved him, and his dad treated him special because all youngest should be treated special. And so the treatment comes, and Joseph's brothers hate him Right? so the Bible says. Joseph's brothers hate him. David's brothers, now we'll see, we see with David and Goliath, we see some little interaction with that. But it's not the same as Joseph and his brothers. At least we don't see that here. But he's the youngest of the brothers. He's also a keeper of the sheep. He's a shepherd. Um, he gets the role. Uh, the way I understand it at the very least is typically you would age out of this unless that's all your family did. Um, you would age out. We know his brothers were in the military um, and things like that. So when, when his father sends him to go check on his brothers, he's keeping the sheep because that's his job. Until he ages out of it, that's what he does. He keeps the sheep. Um, so we, we know that. Uh, verse number 12 is interesting. Now we get into a physical description. Um, he sent and brought him in. Um, now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Who is David? He's the youngest. He's a keeper of the sheep. He is ruddy. How many of you were taught in church this meant he had red hair? I'm curious. Anybody taught that? I was taught that. Katie was taught that. All right. So our children's church teachers were wrong. Um, he may have had red hair. I guess I don't know. But this is clear clear, clear complexion. Um, we use the same terminology in the New Testament talking about Moses, interestingly enough. In Acts 7, it brings up Moses, and it talks about very similar terminology, different um, languages, this is Hebrew, New Testament's Greek, um, but same idea. So different words used, but same idea. Hebrews 11, that talks about Moses uh, when he was born. Um, same idea, ruddy, uh, clear complexion. Um, uh, and then it goes on, it says a beautiful countenance. Um, he was, he was uh, you know, charming. He was likable. Again, I go back to Joseph, and you look at Joseph and his brothers. Joseph comes across as annoying, right? Am I the only one that thinks that? He comes across as annoying just as, just as a kid, right? He's a kid. He comes across as a kid, and he, he's out there, and he's telling these dreams, and the brothers hate him because of it. His dad obviously loves him, which is going to have some impact on his ego, and different things like that. He just comes across kind of as this annoying kid that just talks too much. David is, is of a, a beautiful countenance, meaning he's charming, he's likable. He would be easy to follow. When you think about this personality of David and what God is going to have him do. He's, he's someone that's easy to follow, he's likable. Uh, and then it says that he is goodly to look to. He, he ain't ugly. Now listen, outside of England, has anyone ever followed ugly people? Yes, we all have. Uh, <laughs> have you seen some of our presidents? Um, uh, but he is, he's, he's not ugly. So this is a kid that is, at this point in his life, there's, I mean, I don't know how old you think he was, but he was, he was not old yet. Uh, most people think younger teenager uh, in that range somewhere in there. Some people say he's older. Some people say he's younger. It really doesn't matter, I don't think. Um, but he's, he's already shows signs of a leader in just the way that he looks, even as a young person. So it's not that Samuel would have looked at him like he looked at Eliab and said, surely this is the guy. But he was going to be a guy that in, in the coming years, the people would not reject. Now, why is that? God knows humans, Right? Could God have had an ugly, scraggly, geek, to use lack of better terminology, could he have used somebody like that to lead the people? Yes. Did he? No. Why? Because people are vain. Um, And God chose someone who, when they grew up, would be someone that people would follow. Um, He would have the looks like Saul had. He would have those things. Is that the most important thing? Not even close, because God continues to teach us who David is over time, and his heart, and his love for the Lord, his submissiveness to his authority, both his father and King Saul. We see this in David, and that comes through in his beautiful countenance, charming, likable. Um, he's, he's the kind of kid um, where you see him and you go, you know, uh, if you have a daughter, you'd go, you know what? If that kid keeps on that path, I wouldn't mind my daughter marrying somebody like that. That's that's what I believe David was. Um, He was the kind of kid that adults liked, even as a young person. Which adults like anyone who's respectful, kids. If you'll be respectful, adults will like you. Um, But uh, he was that kind of person. all right. But look in verse number 12 as well. It says um, uh, who he is. He's ruddy, beautiful countenance. Goodly to look to. So the kids these days would use this term. If you haven't heard this, then I apologize. But he was him. All right? He was the guy. He had the it factor. It was this. Maybe Samuel didn't see it. God knew it. David was the guy. All right? But it wasn't that David was the guy. It was that God was going to be with him. And to have God on your side. Remember, Saul had the hand of God taken off of him. And with this anointing, David had the hand of God put on him. And so I don't think that we need to know. Now, God chose to put it in here, so I'm not saying God's wrong. I don't think that we need to know that he was ruddy and of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. God chose to give us that. What we need to know is verse number 14. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Um, and, And in verse number 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's what you need to know. It's interesting to know something about David's looks, and God put it there for a purpose. But what's important is that the spirit of the Lord came upon David. Now everything changes. It changes for David, and it changes for Saul when the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It changes the way Saul lives. It changes the way Saul acts. It changes the way Saul thinks. And at the same time, it does the same thing for David. David's boldness, when we get to Goliath, is a result of the Spirit of the Lord being on him. You will not be bold for God without the Spirit of God being on you will not have the Spirit of God on you unless you're living in God's will. Hey, tied into this morning, how about that? Um, Lord, help me to know Thy will. Help me to do that will. And with God's hand on us, with God's Spirit filling us, we can go and accomplish things. We're not going to kill a giant with a, with a slingshot. But we can kill a figurative giant with a figurative slingshot. We can overcome as a result of God's help with us. So it doesn't matter if you're him. It matters that the him is with you. Does that make any sense? Uh, I don't know why I'm trying to talk in young people slang. Um, it matters if God's with you. That's all that matters. If God's not with you, it's just not going to work out. But if God is with you, then you're going to slay giants. And you're going to um, lead people. Uh, in a way that pleases God and honors him as well. We'll continue to look at David. Uh, We're going to get into the David and Goliath, which is truly one of my favorite stories in Scripture. Um, We're going to look at David's playing the harp. We're going to look at um, all the things that come with this um, and Saul's end of life, all that kind of thing um, in the days to come. Uh, But uh, know who David is. It's interesting. You look back at the beginning of the chapter, you see Samuel's emotions from fear, um, his emotions for mourning of Saul. Listen, God said, i got something so much better, Samuel. Man, Saul, there were good things that Saul did, and Saul would still do some good things. But Samuel's mourning over God leaving Saul, God said, you got to stop. i got something new, and I've got something better. More importantly, I've got something I want you to do. When Samuel did it, God taught Samuel some lessons. Hey, quit looking on the outward appearance. You've got to trust me to look at the heart. I've got the guy, just the guy that my people need. Um, and we'll see We see this anointing now of David here as well. So we'll continue on with David in the days to come. Uh, I continue to look through uh, his life and some of the things that God did through him, some of the mistakes that he made. And uh, and I think, again, I've always said this, David, one of the reasons I love David so much in Scripture as we so blatantly see his failures, but we see his response to those failures, and we see God's love, forgiveness, and restoration after those failures, which should encourage all of us because we fail too. But there's hope because it's not about us, it's about God. Lord, thank you for loving us. Uh, thank you for giving us the scriptures that teach us about the history of your working in people's lives. Um, Thank you that, um, Lord, you lead. Thank you for your willingness to um, look at the heart. May we understand how important it is that our heart is right with you and that we're following you fully. Um, So, Lord, give us what we need. Guide us. Uh, Lord, move in us, through us, to be impactful for you, to accomplish your will for our life, uh, for our families, for our church. Um, Lord, help us this week to be faithful in prayer. Help us pray for each other. Um, help us pray for this church. Lord, we pray that um, you would move this church forward um, as a result of the faithfulness of your people. Um, so, Lord, we look forward to what's ahead. We give you the praise the honor and glory for what has been, for what is, and for what will be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're back Wednesday night at 630. Uh, hope you can make it back. We're looking at Revelation uh, at the fifth trumpet. Uh, it gets, starts to get wild. Um, but hopefully you'll be here for that. If not, um, uh, hopefully we'll see you again real soon. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.